Well, as you can see, the Legion of Doom hasn't been sitting back on their laurels. No, sir. We're ready for you, Jim Cornette. Thanksgiving Day. That's right, Cornette. Midnight Express, we get a big surprise. You ain't ever got to forget, right, Brother A? The surprise is good for us and bad for you. <laughs> Welcome to the Wrestling House Show Super Show. My name is Chris. And my name is Joey. And we are here today to do a one of our retro reviews for Starcade 1986 that took place on November 27th, 1986, emanating from both the Omni Coliseum in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Greensboro Coliseum Complex in Greensboro, North Carolina. Now, right off the bat there, Chris, two arenas... You think that was a little bit of a reference to WrestleMania 2 and its three arenas? I, yeah, probably, absolutely, yeah. Like, man, I don't know if three arenas worked, but let's do two. Right. Yeah. I think we might be able to pull this off. <laughs> and when you think about it, I guess, like, since this was shown in closed circuit, yeah. so it kind of evens things out for everyone involved. Like, if you're at closed circuit and not at either one of these places, you're going to see the whole thing on the screen. Sure. But if you're at either the Atlanta or Greensboro locations... You're going to see half the show on a screen, so it's kind of a bonus. It kind of levels the playing field a bit, I guess. Yeah. Sure. And since it's like it's a four-hour running time, yeah. legit, between both houses, yeah. so you get two hours of wrestling in each place, and that's yeah. that's worthy of yeah, ticket money, you know? Yeah, show, yeah. Yeah. But we will decide by the end of the show which of the locations we would rather have been at as we talk about these matches. I know, for me... I 100% would be at one of these places and like 5% would have maybe been at the other one. <laughs> so it's that's kind of how it, it pans out. Because they do go back and forth. Starts in North Carolina, then Atlanta, and then it never... It's not like that Raw 25 where they had all the stuff <laughs> oh. at the arena and then they went back to New York for like a small segment here <laughs> yeah. and then back. So yep. it was very even throughout yeah. the night. And unlike WrestleMania 2 where they did... Uh, one whole Blocks, one whole yeah. block, then a second, then a third. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah. Then, so they kept it as as fair to all both locations as they could. I think. So yeah, let's just get into the show because that's what they do. If if you go and watch on the network, mm-hmm. this is the VHS home video version yeah, that's on the good. WWE network, and that's what we do here for you new time listeners, perhaps. Uh, we we watch the version on the WWE Network. That way, we like to act as the filter for the network. Yes. Is it worth your time to watch all four hours of Starcade '86, or yeah. should you cherry pick it? Yes. We're here to tell you right now. Um, wait around, and we'll tell you. <laughs> this is a short show. It's not going to be a six-hour podcast right. to to talk about the four-hour wrestling show. It's going to be like a. A, sh- a way shorter show hopefully <laughs> so yeah i think so i mean the the first two matches they're pretty you know they're fine they're yeah. a little innocuous so we kick off with a tag team match chris yeah the first match comes from the north carolina location it is tim horner and nelson royal versus don and rocky kernodal the kernodal brothers yeah the kernodal brothers look nothing alike chris yeah. and then the and then horner and royal look nothing alike however mm. the older of each two tag teams right. they look like a real team and then the younger guys on the other teams, they look like each other. So it's like a it's like a mixed match thing right. or something. They should have flipped. And everybody was wearing blue except for Horner, I think. So he yeah. was the odd man out. Well, I never didn't see him in right. that uh, that red spanky with the lightning bolt on it. So yeah. like he must have paid a lot of money for that when he first got it. And he right. never stopped using it for what I ever saw him yeah. on. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a nice little opener there. A lot of shooting in the ropes and... Uh, yeah. 
And, uh, you know, it's just one of those matches. There didn't seem to be any clear-cut heels or faces. No, it was just a thing where there were guys in the ring trying to get the crowd pumped up. And mm-hmm. I think it did an okay job. The pace was high, and, and the, the moves were surprisingly, like, agile moves for, I guess, this era. From mm-hmm. what you think about, like, the big heavyweight and stuff. And later on in the show, there's there's some plotting through matches as they just kind of swing arms and legs and things at each other. But this one, there was a lot of running around and yeah. and uh, some some neat moves here and there. Yeah, no complaints. Yeah. Just kind of, yeah, it's all right, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a different time. This is They're still figuring out what closed circuit and pay-per-view is as far as, like, how much do we put on here? Right. How much do we give away? You know, yeah. like, do we make it all or nothing or, you know. Yeah. Those kind of things. So, you know, it, it does seem like television matches at this point. So. Yeah, because, yeah, it, this is this is a Starcade, but back then they were saving things for the local shows and the, yeah. the big payoffs later on, which we'll see some of that later tonight. They're saving stuff for later on, and it's not all put on this show. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of surprised that in the next location they didn't have their opener as a tag match. That's kind of par for the course in that yeah. era from what I remember especially I feel like I remember every class of the champions would pretty much open with a right. tag team match but we had a really nice grudge match yeah. to kick it off in the next place This it was a nice little change of pace I guess right away mm-hmm. it was from Atlanta Brad Armstrong versus gorgeous Jimmy Garvin accompanied to the ring by Precious yeah and, and unlike the first match the first first match right. you could tell that these guys hated each other yeah. it was just like their lockups are angry. Oh, <laughs> Everything yeah. is angry in this match, and it, it played. It made for a better match, uh, in overall. And I, I'm a big Jimmy Garvin fan from way yeah. back, and and Brett Armstrong, who at that point was the most successful Armstrong of the second generation clan. Obviously, Bullet Bob was a legend even at that point. Yeah. Uh, but Brett Armstrong, hell of a hand, as uh, Jr. would say. Yeah. And. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Great fundamentals. He's just never that guy that was going to be like a big superstar. He didn't have any kind of character. Sure. But just good wrestler. And for some reason, he had good sympathy with the crowd and yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it may have forgotten to mention Jimmy always had nuclear heat in any feud he was ever in. Back and I think in the that's day. why people got behind Armstrong is because yeah. of Jimmy Garvin. Yeah. Garvin was so good to the baby faces, yeah. like just in that in that nature. So, yeah, it made for a really fun match. I enjoyed this match yeah. quite a bit, actually. Everybody had a whole lot of hair. We were joking that maybe this was... Because we heard them announce <laughs> yeah. a whole bunch of stipulation matches as they were introducing the commentators and announcers and stuff. Surprised was like, there wasn't oh, a Brass Knuckles match like right. we had before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, so, we were thinking, yeah, like, everybody in this, all Brad, Jimmy, and Precious all needed some haircuts going on. Hair versus at that point. Hair. But... That was not the case, and it was just, it was a, I liked the match how it started, and like we were saying when we were watching it, you didn't have to know that they didn't like each other because they showed it in the ring. Yeah. After the first few minutes, though, they kind of gassed out, it seemed, yeah. because they started hitting rest holds a lot, and yeah. the time became an issue later on in the match. It became uh, a race to the finish, but it was a, it was the tortoise and not the hare. It was very slow. I wouldn't say plotting necessarily, no, but it, no. it slowed down quite a bit, and there were a lot of rest holds. You could tell that they were milking the clock to get to that tension at the end. Yeah, and I should have seen that coming, too. My uh, my safety for that reference is, in this era is the Jake the Snake 
uh, Ravishing Rick Rude match from WrestleMania Four. Mm. Uh, spoiler, yeah. uh, where they you could they're it's just wrestled central. They're yeah. milking the clock and this yeah. thing. I should have seen this coming from a mile away that there'd be a time limit draw. Let's just go ahead and say right. it. Why not? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I already said it. Let's just say that that's the finish. But it's yeah, and then like in that last three minutes, they hit the gas again, yeah. and then they're going for it. They're going for it. Yeah. And, oh, okay. Yeah. And like it ends, the bell rings when Jimmy Garvin is jumping from the top rope, like in the middle of the jump. That's when the, the yeah. time limit ends. <laughs> ding ding ding. Yeah. But uh, one of my favorite Jimmy Garvinisms occur in this match, and he's a great shit talker. First of all, if you've never seen a lot of his matches, and second of all, he does that great thing that I used to see him do. Uh, with the fabulous Freebirds, also the guys trying to get in the ring, and Jimmy keeps bouncing off yeah. the ropes and kneeing him in the head yeah. as he gets up to the apron. He does it about two times. Yeah, love with that precious stuff. yelling at um, <laughs> Armstrong to get back in the ring. Yeah, it's yeah. an extra factor you wouldn't see when the the birds were around. Is yeah. like this person's yelling at you to get in the ring, and it's like it's just insult to injury. Yeah, it's and you're so great. out of it that you're just doing it because that's what you're hearing. Mm. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I, uh, right off the bat, better opener. And in that town, so, yeah, 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 d- different kind of openers, yeah, really. for sure. Yeah, so, but we're headed back to North Carolina for match number three. It is another tag match in North Carolina. It is the Barbarian and Shaska Watley versus Baron von Roschke and Hector Guerrero. Yeah, uh, Sashka is <laughs> better known as Pistol Pez Watley. Yeah, they called him uh, Pez, I think, during the match. Or Pistol Watley, I think, is what uh, the, one of the commentators said. Yeah, Bob Cottle called yeah. him that. I think it's because like Bob's probably known him for a long time and yeah. he can't shake it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, the guy had some good credentials going in. But uh, yeah, this seemed. They, they were talking about how both of these teams actually were teams. They seemed very mismatched as partners on both ends. Yeah. But it definitely felt like a thrown together. They called it a grudge match yeah. as they were announcing the match. Like the actual ring announcer said that. Yeah. So, so it, was, it, it was bizarre, but and it didn't feel as much like as much of a grudge match as the previous match. Yeah. So it was still kind of fun. Yeah. It was clear that Guerrero was the one to take the brunt of everything for his team and they saved Roshki for the end of it. So yeah. you got the the big reaction at the end, but Hector Hector is fun to watch. He was all over the ring. He was getting beat up. He was beating up the other guys. I was so. say he he took the brunt offensively yeah. and defensively. Yeah. And so it was it was clear how they set the match up, but it was it was still kind of fun. Yeah. The, the finish I didn't really get the finish. I thought it was a little underwhelming. Yeah, it, it came too quick. Yeah. There's a couple of too quick finishes yeah. in this show. Some work and some don't. And I don't think this one worked as well. Yeah. It, it was kind of, uh, oh, oh, all right. Yeah, exactly. You, you could have been turning around like I kind of did. You could have been in the crowd and turned around and said something to your friend, and then all of a sudden the bell rings. Like, wait, yeah. wait, wait, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, there was no buzz for this finish to happen now. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. So. Depending on which side it is, well, you know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Watch it yourself. <laughs> so not a great start for North Carolina yet, but it, it'll get better for yeah. that town for sure. But before we head back to Atlanta, uh, Johnny Weaver, who was calling with Bob Cottle at North Carolina, had left the table prior to the end of the match. And you're like, okay. Yeah, bye. like, I gotta get out of here. And I'm like, oh, fine, deuces. <laughs> but he went to the back. He was trying to get a word with Dusty Rose, who has a big match, one of the main events. 
later on tonight, and Dusty was having none of it. We didn't even see him. We just heard him yelling from his dressing room, like, leave me alone. So, yeah, like, he, all that time, I didn't call the match to come talk to you, and now yeah. you're not going to talk to me? Well, well thanks. He yeah. just looks like an idiot backstage. Yeah. <laughs> but then we do head back over to Atlanta. Match number four on the card, the second for Atlanta, was a title match. It was the U.S. Tag Team title. It was a no-disqualification match. It was the champions Ivan Kolov and Crusher Khrushchev versus the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, you know, I immediately thought about, I wonder the earliest instance of a booker being like, so we've got these titles, and they're called the United States titles. What if we put them on a foreigner? Like, right. Yeah, like it's how an obvious early, choice. Yeah. yeah, how early was that method of thinking? Because, yeah. you know, the Russians come in and they're the U.S. champs, and yeah. in the 80s, that's just a sin. Yeah. So I, I just want, I'm sure it happened way earlier than this, yeah. but I'd, I'd be curious to know, like, yeah. who had the first light bulb for that to right. go off? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, now it's the, it's not the Koloffs anymore. It's, it's Crusher and Ivan, and... Crusher being Barry Darso, who you guys out there might know as Demolition Smash or uh, the Repo Man or even uh, that crazy caddy guy from WCW's Money Days, Money Night War. Yeah, that was, and here's the thing, they had Barry Darso on the payroll during yeah. the Money Night War just because he worked for Vince and they yeah. gave him a crazy golfer gimmick. Yeah. Uh, based on a real life golfer who used to lose his shit on the, <laughs> I'm not even kidding about this, right. yeah, but they had I this. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the guy who like throw his... Yeah, his, his bags uh, around his stuff and stuff. Around you. So they gave him this gimmick, and it's obviously not anything they're going to put on Nitro, and I don't think yeah. they ever did. He was one of those weekend guys. Mm. So they had like 100 guys on their roster, legit at that yeah. point. And so there were just guys that clearly would work the Saturday shows and the Sunday shows, the syndicated shows, basically. So they were just holding on to contracts so they couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't sound anything like a company no. these days. No, 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 not at all, not at all. But... Yeah, so there you go. A little fun little quick Barry Darso yeah. sidebar there. But uh, I think he played the... Uh, it's almost like they didn't go out of their way to claim that he was Russian. Because he yeah. didn't even have the accent. He didn't even try, yeah. So it's like he's a Russian sympathizer. And I and that still works for or me, maybe, actually. Has Russian heritage or something. You yeah, know? yeah, probably his family was Russian. Yeah. You know, yeah. So there, there's that. And he, I think he played the role really well. Yeah. And he's, he's a good wrestler. He always was. So uh, I think it worked out really well, and uh, I was like, "Oh, cool!" And then they announced a team, and I never had heard of—is it the Kansas City or just Kansas Jayhawks? I think it was just the Kansas Jayhawks, but who yeah. knows? They may have announced them wrong. And I thought it was the Mantell brothers because I saw Dutch, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, it must be Johnny Mantel." I was like, "No, it wasn't. It was uh, like Bobby Jagger." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, I was like, "It was." I was happy to see Dutch. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that guy. Good people. Yeah, I, th- I think the match was was fine. You know? Yeah. yeah. And since it was no DQ, you knew some shenanigans were going to take place. Yeah. So you got the southern guys, and they've got the leather, and the Russians yeah. got the chain, because that's just the way it is that's in wrestling. Is. <laughs> yeah, that that's the Koloffs definitely established the chain early on in their career, so this yeah. was just accepted. And it worked It worked out in the match that both guys got to use their weapon of choice, and yeah. uh, where it stops, who knows. Yeah, it just depends on who gets the last shot in. <laughs> exactly. But it was, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I liked it. A lot of tag matches so far, which I'm not going to complain about. Yeah, and they're all kind of... Well, they're not all jammed towards the front, but I think yeah. they're good matches even if you don't know much about it it's easy to keep the pace high in a tag match so you can get the crowd kind of worked up as yeah. the show goes along yeah it was kind of weird going into the show because like for those of you that have the network you know that thing where it shows you the dots 
on, there's yeah. like the the white dot and the red dot. Yeah, the beginning and end of the matches. Yeah, so you see the separations are real. They're real close to each other. And you're mm-hmm. like, wow, there's a lot of matches packed into this yeah. thing. So I was like, this is gonna be an interesting show. And then at the very end, you see the big separation. Yeah, the last few get get progressively bigger. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I always think that's funny. Yeah. You know, it's the more dots. I'm like, ooh, what's this gonna be like? <laughs> yeah. All right, back to North Carolina. We're moving right along to match number five. It is an Indian strap match featuring Rick Rude with his manager Paul Jones versus the man undefeated in Indian strap matches, as they told us, uh, Wahoo McDaniel, Chief God, Wahoo McDaniel. God, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's undefeated, so, or else we just don't say that name anymore. Right. But yeah, it's always fun to see Rick Rude, and this is around the time that he was also wrestling a lot for World Class and feuding with the Von Erich, so I hated Rick Rude quite yeah. a bit, even prior to his WWE run. And, you know, Wahoo is, uh, he's a legend. He's over yeah. like a million bucks, and man, that chop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, he's got that one thing. Even if he doesn't do anything else for you, <laughs> once he puts the back of that hand in the chest yeah. or in the top of the head, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. It's all you need sometimes. Worked for him. Yeah. And I thought, this match for me, it was okay. Yeah. And I get that a strap match kind of has to be different just by necessity of being strapped to your opponent like that. Yeah. It was, there was a lot of whip with the strap, of course, yeah. and there was a lot of punching, and there was blood, and that was kind of it, really. Yeah. I just don't like the... The four-corner thing is yeah, just so... It's such a bad way to end a match, I think, because yeah. it's it's not very... It's really difficult to make that climactic. And when I was watching this match when it happened i was like oh, i thought that was three because i was only barely barely paying attention <laughs> sure. so it's just one of those kind of yeah. matches i honestly think the best example of that kind of match is the jbl Eddie guerrero match yeah. from 2004 because yeah. i mean it's not even just because they brought the lights in <laughs> it was just it was they did it well the yeah. finish was even well done yeah yeah, you can only do so much with those matches. So uh, I didn't anticipate this rating high, but I was thinking maybe that the wrestlers would save it. But I just think it's one of those kind of things, and we're going to get into another kind of gimmick match like this later. Yeah. The talent can only do so much. Yeah, yeah. So And, I mean, both these guys are good, and they're yeah. good at what they do. Yeah. It's just this match was... It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. It's like the, the thing after... The, the post-match shenanigans were more entertaining... Than the actual during match shenanigans yeah. for my money, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, yeah, let's move on. There was a lot of blood in the match, if that's your thing. There's there's a lot of blood in this show, and that was the match that kind of started it, I think. Yeah, if you're an old school fan and you like blood, yeah. this this might be a, the show for you. Right. Kick it in in about 20 minutes, and the blood will start flowing like wine. <laughs> yeah. Back up over in Atlanta for match number six. It was a singles match, a title match for the Central States heavyweight title. Superstar Bill Dundee challenging the champion, Sam Houston. Yeah, guys who I knew very well growing up, I never saw them wrestle each other. Yeah. They, they were always in different leagues at that point, yeah. and, and there wasn't a lot of crossover. So, you know, it's it's a very typical heel versus face match. Yeah. Of fine work, you know. Like, I, Bill Dundee even did like a half walking the rope bit to get yeah, an axe handle he on. did like the what Xavier Woods has done in recent months and years where he takes a few steps over on the ropes and then jumps off and does something yeah, yeah. even Barbarian did that I want to talk about that real quick he did that a move I've never really seen for that kind of a move he kind of walked the rope like stepped oh, up to he, it. He jumped. Yeah, he put his foot on the second rope and used it to spring up like a second rope springboard 
just I mean he just brought down his hand on the guy's yeah. head yeah, or his headbutt he did a headbutt yeah, 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 yeah. I'd never seen that before so I thought that was really cool yeah. so I just wanted to bring that up because I love bringing up moves I've never seen before yeah. so yeah. but that you know and like I said a very fine straightforward this has been a great television main event as I like to say yeah it was well done in that sense and the crowd definitely was hot for it, so yeah. they were definitely familiar with both of these guys. There were a lot of high-pitched voices chanting for Sam Houston. Yeah, yeah. the ladies in the crowd love Sam Houston, yeah. who, by the way, is Jake the Snake's half-brother. We always have to bring that up, or at least I always have, to, always bring have to bring it up. bring it up. And, yeah, so... I liked it. I think that they both fit the profiles well for what they do. Uh, Bill Dundee is kind of... He looked kind of small, but maybe it's just because Sam Houston was tall. Uh, yeah, Bill was always a short guy, actually. Yeah, and he had, the, I mean, he had the black hair. He looked a lot to me like Honky Tonk Man or a lot of those guys of that era. Yeah. Like short, stocky, kind of wide, yeah. black hair, and he just like went about his business and just like punching and getting guys down on the mat. Yeah. He dominated like the central portion of the match, whereas Sam Houston started strong, ended strong, and he was more like run around the ring, get the crowd pumped up. So... Yeah. It, it wasn't super great, but I enjoyed the match for what it was. Yeah, you can almost show this match in training if you're like you're going to work that kind of style. Yeah. Like, this would be a decent match to show someone, you yeah. know, kind of showing good fundamentals. And it was easy to see who the good and the bad guys were in this match. That, like, very any, important. Any 30 seconds out of the match, like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and definitely you brought up, uh, you know, Hockey Talk. You know, a Memphis guy. Yeah. And we saw Dundee. I saw him use a couple of Lawlerisms yeah. in this match. I'm yeah. like, yeah, he's a Memphis stalwart. That's just that style. It's that feel. It's that look. Yeah. And it just got it down. Yeah. So, yeah. Dundee in the, the one half of the uh, first match I ever saw live. Oh, well. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mentioned this on some show. I don't know which one, but he pantsed Jimmy Jack Funk in the corner. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I just uh, saw a man butt. Yeah, I saw Man Butt. We're not on TV. I don't see any TV cameras. So this is what goes on when the cameras aren't rolling. Okay. <laughs> Felt like I was in like a speakeasy room or something. Right. But uh, anyway, yeah. So yeah, first match I ever saw live. Bill nice. Dundee, Jimmy Jack Fox. Nice. Well, the next match up back over to North Carolina is a hair versus hair match. It was Paul Jones wrestling. <laughs> uh, he had Raging Bull Manny Fernandez as his second but Fernandez was suspended in a shark cage above the ring for this match, although he didn't want to go. Yeah, and I, I've been mentioning World Class a lot because that's where my reference is for a lot of these guys in this show. And when they would go down to Dallas, they'd all be managed by either uh, Percy Pringle, Bob Paul Bear, mm-hmm. or Skander Akbar. Yeah. But when they came into the Mid-Atlantic and NWA territories, it was always Paul Jones or Gary Hart. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then sometimes Gary Hart, world class. He was yeah. he was bi-coastal. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's just funny that they would just give them the bad guy manager in that town right. every single time. Yeah. It's just wild. I mean, but these shows were all syndicated, so it's like... There's no real consistency in that. Yeah. I just thought that was odd. Yeah. But you, you mentioned something very great at the top of that match when we were watching it is that Paul Jones looks uh, a lot like uh, Tom Savini. Yeah, like a weird <laughs> Tom Savini. Like Tom Savini's brother or cousin or something that tries to get into the business, but it's like Frank Stallone, you know? It's that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul Savini yeah. in this corner. Uh, yeah, okay. But so, it, hair versus hair. Yes, Paul Jones versus Jimmy Valiant with Big Mama in yeah. his corner. The Boogie Boogie Man, a, yes. a legend in the sport. A guy who's given back a lot to the, the sport. Uh, trained a lot of guys, you know, like, yeah. he seems like a really cool dude every time I see him in interviews and stuff like that, and he's not one of those, like, old guy wrestlers that just shits on everything. He yeah. loves new guys. 
So I just wanted to say that Jimmy Valiant seems like a really cool dude. Cool. So and you know he's fun. He's got that dusty thing. Yeah. You know, he's got the he's got the uh, he's urban but he's southern. He's <laughs> he's for everybody. Yeah. You know, like, he does feel like kind of like the dusty thing and the Jesse Ventura thing yeah. going on. Oh there. yeah, it's, it's a mix of both. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I never. I don't know why I never saw that. Because he's very flashy. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's really cool. And the, the match itself was fun. I don't think. It's a surprise who probably won this match, considering it was Paul Jones wrestling in it. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was fun. I liked it. Yeah, uh, a nice uh, psychology on how, how to hide your weapon in your tights. But yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't. I still couldn't tell what it was. Yeah. It, it was some kind of knuckle thing that Jones pulled out at some point, but it wasn't like brass knuckles. It was like something else. Yeah, and that's like I said, that's the Lawler move. But I I, I don't know if it was him or someone else who used to say it. Like half the time, we wouldn't even have anything on us. Yeah, we would just do sleight of hand. And you thought we had something. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it could be. The, I mean, clearly Valiant, when he, he got him back, him, yeah. he had like a little, like the the white plastic knucks, as yeah. I used to call them. Yeah. Uh, so, but like sometimes guys would just do that. Like, yeah, if I wasn't going to show it or we weren't going to use it in the match, I would yeah. just not bring anything. Because yeah. why have it in your tights if you don't need yeah, it? You, what if you land? It's like landing on your keys <laughs> when you fall. Like, yeah. that sucks real bad. So I can only imagine if you had like... <laughs> brass knuckles in your pocket and landed mm. on those when you get suplexed that would yeah. suck if you just believe i have it then i do yeah. I, I think that's harder to pull off on tv for sure oh yeah, yeah. but if for a live crowd yeah i can see yeah. that all day totally yeah it was fun it was it was it wasn't too long like yeah. you said so. there were a lot of post-match shenanigans with oh, this one yeah. So, yeah there's a, there's a lot of running in uh yeah. in this show yeah like you always know what if if you can't remember what town you were in, you either check for the scaffold or you <laughs> yeah. check uh, for the talent that runs out during the show. Yeah, because yeah. they, they they definitely uh, nobody left the arena before the main event. Right. That's for sure. And some of them weren't even dressed by the time they came back. Like <laughs> three, four, five matches later. Yeah. So, all right. Let's uh, next match, Chris. Next matchup, moving back over to Atlanta, was Ronnie Garvin versus Big Bubba Rogers with Jim Cornette as his manager. Yeah, two guys who would both be in WWF by that time, two years from now. Mm. So, yeah, I although I don't think I ever saw them wrestle each other in WWF, WWE, but yeah, and I you know I I didn't expect too much because they were like it's a street fight, so I'm like oh they're gonna go yeah. all over the crowd, but we're not in that era yeah. yet where we really go through the crowd, and I think Japan was really the first place to do that. So yeah, maybe you know, some of their deathmatch stuff and things. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought of, but yeah, you know it was actually I still really enjoyed this match, and I like I said I guess because of the. Uh, I didn't expect much. Yeah. <laughs> and it over-delivered in that sense. And the rules of the match, they called it a Louisville street fight. I guess the missions counted. They never went for one. <laughs> but pins counted, but also there was a standing 10 count. And yeah. it was it was the difference being, because there's always one in every match. Sure. But this was, if one guy was down, he could be counted out. So it was kind of a mix of a last man standing yeah. and street fight, as and we know it today. Exactly. Mixed with boxing rules <laughs> yeah. and some other yeah. stuff. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say standing 10 count. That's a little bit different. But, I mean, you get my idea. One guy could be standing while the other guy was getting counted out, as opposed to both of them having to be down for the ref to start that count. Yeah, and despite what city we're in for this, it's only a Louisville street fight because of Jeff Cornette being from Louisville. So. <laughs> yeah. So I guess he must have booked this match right. for Big Bubba because right. I guess Ronnie Garvin probably tried to put his hands on him a few times. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, this is my bodyguard, so let's have a match." Yeah, it makes simple sense. as that. Yeah, yeah. So Big Bubba was very big at this point in his career. Yeah, 
He's he's one of those interesting cats, man. Uh, always was faster than his weight. Yeah. But he also got skinnier as his career went on. Yeah. And most people go the other way. You yeah. Know? So yeah, but he's even though he was new and you could tell he was inexperienced at this point, he still pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, it was a big brawling match. Yeah. So he just he was able to use his size and his body and his big ham fist and to a good degree. He was in the perfect match for where he was, I think, in his career. Yeah. Uh, and just a little side note, even just despite having the last name Garvin, isn't that the weirdest thing that Jimmy Garvin is Ronnie Garvin's stepson? Yeah. <laughs> that just, that, yeah. that, he, it must be a, he must be the step part. Like, right. he probably obviously just married his mom. Right. Because I don't see yeah. any resemblance there. Yeah. That's wild. It's like when we were talking about the Carradine brothers yeah. and trying to figure out the relationships of all of them. Yeah. Who's, who's the dad and who's the brother and everything. I was, and we finally figured it out. It was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. And I still don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I'd have to look it up again. But yeah, it was it was that kind of thing. That's a reference that no one's going to care about or get. But yeah, yeah it's just, yeah. It's like the Kernodles. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, next match up over in North Carolina which could have been a main event in most places, I think, depending on how the match went. It was Dusty Rhodes versus Tully Blanchard for the TV title. Definitely a main event in any arena at that point. Yeah. Uh, those guys, so fun to watch. Yeah, uh, Just the epitome of babyface and, and sneaky Weasley heel. Yeah. And, man, yeah. And I... Sure, I mentioned this on some show at some point. And Tully is known as a tag team specialist, and he'll be the first guy to tell you that he was always more, he felt like he was better and more comfortable as a singles guy. You see matches like this, and you understand why. Yeah. Uh, but also, he's also the tag team specialist. He just is. Yeah. Uh, they, they set the tone. Like I said, if I, I didn't see the buildup to this feud. Yeah. I, I was not watching at this point as a kid, and I know you weren't either, Chris. Yeah. So, with the idea of even just that little thing about. Johnny Weaver not getting any airtime with Dusty. Dusty not doing a promo? What? Yeah. Okay, so the tone is set right there, right? Yeah. But then, before the bell even rings, Chris, take yeah. it away. I mean, what kind of stuff takes place before there's even any physicality between Dusty and Tolly here? Well, it is a TV title match, but it's also a first blood match. So, in order to set that up, it kind of works on many levels, I think, setting a whole bunch of stuff up. Coming off of the no Dusty promo, when Tully comes out, he's being managed by J.J. Dillon. And there, Dillon tries to give Blanchard some advantages. He has this headgear that he tries to put on to Blanchard's head. And the referee is Earl Hebner, so you know he's going to get in the middle of all of it. And he makes a big production about, like, no, you can't have that. And so he, Dillon throws the headgear off into the crowd, pissed off. So he gets out a thing of Vaseline, starts putting Vaseline on on Blanchard's face and because Vaseline like the the fists slip off in boxing and it helps kind of keep wounds closed and things so he wouldn't bleed or you wouldn't see it right away and at Hebner again it's like no blah 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 blah, blah and he, he wipes it off with a thing eventually all this stuff is happening and Dylan goes over towards Dusty and Dusty just hits him with the bionic elbow <laughs> Dylan goes out of the ring his head comes up and he's just drip like pouring blood down his face <laughs> so immediately you see 
how weaselly Blanchard is going to be. Yes. You see what an issue Dylan is going to be in the match, getting involved. You see how much hatred is going on with all these three guys, and you put over the bionic elbow as this thing that, if he hits Blanchard with it once, the match is over. Yeah. So you already have a move set up. If you've never seen anything before, that you know that Dylan or uh, Blanchard is going to have to avoid. Yeah. So it's a beautiful start. Yeah. And Dusty clearly hates Tully. Yeah. Because for some weird reason, he's got his the sides of his head shaved slightly. Yeah. And he has Tully written above his ears on yeah. both sides of his head. Yeah. Don't know why, yeah. but it looks menacing enough. He's just got Tully on his brain, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Oh, nice. He could have said that in the promo. All I need to do is right. tell us. Yeah. But he showed us. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, dude, psychology out the yang. Fun, fun stuff to be had in this yeah. match. I don't want to spoil it. Because the finish is pretty damn genius. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's pseudo-genius. It's, it's a good it's, payoff for all the setup I just said. Yeah. 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 So, uh, even though we're not talking about it a whole lot, because it's just its first blood match, there's, there's only one way to go for it. Yeah. But yeah, I'll just say it right here. Watch this match. Reiterate. Watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is... Already the first on our list of must-watch from the show. It's it, it's good. Like I said, you don't have to know anything about anything going on at this time, and you'll get it, and you'll enjoy it. Yeah, so in the, in the series of Starcade, Tully has already killed it twice. He did yeah. it with that Steamboat match yeah. prior, and then this one, just, oh, so good. And I got a feeling that he's going to repeat next year, yeah. because Starcade 87, if I'm not mistaken, is the Road Warriors versus Anderson and Blanchard. How is that oh, not wow. going to be okay. And it's not going to be any bullshit gimmick that I know of. At the very least, it's going to be a cage match. That'll be fine. <laughs> we'll see well, what happens. Speaking of a lot of the things you just said in that last sentence, okay. the next match up is a big stipulation match. We failed to mention at the top of the show that the subtitle of the show was The Skywalkers. The next match oh, up... It's not, it's not episode uh, yeah. <laughs> 9 of uh, the Star Wars? No, it is not the rise of the... Oh. Well, okay. it's the well, fall of the Cornets. I mean, yeah. <laughs> But it is back over in Atlanta this entire night. We've seen this scaffolding surrounding the ring, this yeah. red, white, and blue scaffolding. Yes. And so, talking about the gimmick thing that you had just mentioned, and talking about the Road Warriors who you had just mentioned, this is a scaffold match between the Road Warriors, managed by Paul Ellering, versus the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette on their side. Yes, and Big Bubba. <laughs> yeah, well, later. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, can you can, before we get? Can you explain what a scaffold? The rules of a scaffold match for me, please. I've seen a handful of these because uh, my wrestling brain is a tad older. <laughs> uh, it's you. Logic determines which there is no logic mm-hmm. in, in this kind of a match. So I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt it here. But as far as I can tell, in all these matches, they start on the top of the scaffold. Mm-hmm. Now. The rule is, the only way you could win is if both opposing members of the team, or if it's a one-on-one, just your opponent, mm-hmm. drops from the top to the ring and falls and takes a really heavy bump to mm-hmm. the ring. Which is could be career-threatening or career-ending. Yeah. Hypothetically. Huh. Now, there's really no logic in starting in the ring because eventually it would just look like bullshit just climbing up to the yeah, top of the do, thing. Like carry your opponent up just to throw him off. Like, yeah. That's stupid. 
Yeah, you can't carry them, first of all, yeah. so you just have to goad them up there. You have to be like fireman carry on the, yeah. on the shoulders and take them up. So no, nothing about this makes sense. Yeah. So the road warriors just cut right to the crash, and they climb to the top of the thing, and they make a lot of chicken uh, movements with their <laughs> yeah. arms to get them to come up, because that's what's going to do it in yeah. real life. Sure. Uh, yeah, I understand it's wrestling. They bounce back off the ropes and back to them. Okay. So, that makes more sense than people give it credit for, but okay, continue. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how it starts. And basically, if you just... Uh, a long story short, mm. or long story long, versus what I did here, it's just getting to the top of a scaffold, which has a little walkway in the middle yeah. there, in mm. case people need the visual. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's like a tightrope, but enlarged to be a bridge. It's a bridge, basically. It's, it's, a, bridge. it's a metal bridge. It's, it's a bridge over the ring. Yeah. And you just punch a lot, and you crouch down a lot, and yeah. then you punch a lot, and you crouch down. Sometimes you lay on your stomach, yeah. sometimes you lay on your back. Um, just basically try not to die. Yeah, you gotta you gotta turtle it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you can turtle it, and then punch, turtle and punch. That's a lot of what this match was, the, yeah. the turtle punch. And it was, <laughs> the the Midnight Express did not want to go up there, eventually they did, because that's when the match yeah. starts up there, yeah. like they had to. And on once Hawk didn't really seem to care. He was standing up the whole time and yeah. I forget who he had on his side. But they basically they paired off and they were both kind of at either sides of the scaffolding because yeah. there were little railings on the ends of both sides. Yeah. The middle portion was wide open with no railings. And yeah. Hawk was it looked just pretty frumsy to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it looked like it was bowed a little bit. Yeah. And Hawk was just like punching the guy and running him into the, the railings. That's but, Hawk, though. Like, yeah, in real life, apparently, yeah. like, I've heard people that know him, they're like, yeah, he was an alpha. He was crazy. Yeah. I loved him, but he was his own worst yeah. enemy. So but, that's another example of that. On the other side, Animal had his Midnight Express guy. I, like I said, I'm sorry, I forget which one was which. Yeah, it's all right. But they were... Ofi- officially, it's Dennis Condry and Bobby yeah. Eaton in the match, by the way. Yeah. Because of all the different versions. I forget yeah. which, I just forget which yeah, one yeah, was on each fine. side. And the Midnight Express guy just pretty quickly gets stomach down onto the scaffolding. <laughs> and Animal is the same. He like pretty much jumps on top yeah. of him. He's kind of just hugging him down to the thing. Yeah. And they stay there for quite a long time. I don't think they were having the height mentally mm-hmm. either. Like yeah. they both seem like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. You know, so I mean, th- that's but that's what takes you out of this match. I mean, yeah. that's why scaffold matches are the worst. That's why you don't <laughs> see him anymore. Yeah. Uh, Midnight's make it a little interesting towards the end where they both have uh, little powder packs. Oh, yeah. That was cool. I like that. They throw them in each Road Warrior's eyes and that causes some drama thinking, oh, this is how they're going to pull it off. And uh, And By the end of the match, it does turn into the Lost Boys on the train bridge. They're (laughs) hanging out underneath. It's just a kick fight to see who falls into the mist, basically. Yeah, so if if you care to see it, then yeah it's not long for what it's worth it's like it's it's a long 10 minutes or it something feels like longer than it is yeah but there's a lot of pre and post the the, the road warriors music <laughs> lasted for like three or four minutes 100 years <laughs> and with the bad you know whatever version they added into the wwe network version because yeah. they don't want to pay for iron man like we got that we got this generic thing for like five yeah. minutes uh-huh. and a lot of you may know about the post-match shenanigans on this uh, Cornette takes a terrible fall off the yeah. scaffold. I don't think that's a spoiler because it's not within the match. Yeah, uh, he he breaks both of his legs falling from the scaffold legitimately. 
You can hear him. Even if you didn't know, it looks rough because yeah. he doesn't fall. The the people who do fall off, the wrestlers who fall off, they kind of fall on their backs mostly, yeah. um, sort of. Like on their or, hips or, or they the at butts, least yeah. go as quickly down to their backs and kind of roll with it as much as they can. Yeah. Cornette lands pretty much straight up and down. I don't know why, because you would think that the heavier guys... Because they they all went sideways. They were swinging, and yeah, I don't think Cornette just didn't know how to do yeah. it, and he just went straight down, and he didn't bend his legs when he when he landed, and so there was yeah. no pressure release. It was just all up through his ankles. Yeah, the story was that Big Bubba was supposed to catch him. Oh, just, really? Yeah, because he was in the ring. He was in the ring, so the that was the idea, and. To Big Bubba's credit, and I think Cornette even gave him this credit, even yeah. though he kind of makes fun of him for not catching him. Yeah. But, like, Bubba was watching very thoroughly. Yeah, you could like see how the, So he saw Dennis and Stan go that way, so oh. he stood to the side of Cornette. Yeah. He thinking, tried to anticipate. Yeah, so that's why he didn't catch him. Yeah. It's like Dusty, sold, Dusty, who was the booker at the time, sold him on this idea. Yeah. And so that's why he's in the ring, and he was like, oh, cool, he's going to go that way. I'm going to make sure. Yeah. I see him swinging a little... And then he just went straight the fuck down. I, I, I thought even I knew how that was going to end because I'd, I'd heard Cornette talk about that before. Yeah. But watching him, I watching Big Bubba, you could see him looking and you could see him kind of going underneath Cornette and kind of going to the side. Yeah. I thought he was going to catch him, so yeah. I was surprised when he didn't. There's that uh, thing in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas where you have to catch uh, was it Mad Dog from jumping off the building? Oh yeah, and killing himself. Yeah. He just positioned the truck. <laughs> yeah, and if you miss, he he, he dies. Yeah. And that's that's what makes me think of that. I'm right. surprised they didn't do that on Botchamania <laughs> yet. So yeah, it, it's I, I would honestly say just skip to like the last two minutes of the scaffold. Watch the yeah, midnights. Don't watch anything except the, the end. Yeah, watch the post-match stuff, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a boring match uh, yeah. other than that. Which is unfortunate, because there's a lot of good guys in there. Yeah, it's like you have two of the, arguably, I think the two best NWA tag teams of all time, Yeah, and you put them in this match where they can't wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Road Warriors are known as brawlers, but they can have a wrestling match. Right. You know, just, ugh, just odd. Yeah. Just odd. Although I will say, how much does it help the tag title match later? Yeah, later being right up next, it is match number 11 on the card, the final match in North Carolina. This is their main event. It is a tag team, the world tag team title match in a cage, Ole and Arn Anderson versus the champions, the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, and I was just like, okay, Chris, I know you just went through the scaffold match. This is going to be good. I promise. (laughs) I swear. And he's like, I didn't have to, like, twist your arm too much or anything, but... Thankfully, it did deliver, yeah, I think, quite a good. bit. So, uh, yeah, I'd just say it seems like the ones that we like more, we tend to not talk about too much. Well, yeah, because <laughs> like, we don't want to uh, spoil too yeah. much about it. It's kind of about the experience of it. Yeah. I think with a match like this, I think you kind of know, if you know these teams, you kind of know what direction they're probably going to be headed in. Yeah. Since, <laughs> but, like, a, a type of wrestling match is named after one of these guys. So... <laughs> And you know what Ole and Arn are all about. It's, so. If Arn Anderson is in your tag team, then you're going to cut the ring off, yeah. and you're going to do it well, and you're going to make the crowd hate you so much yeah. for doing it, and it's just so well done. And is that not in like the top three spine busters? And that's saying yeah. something for Arn Anderson. Arn even celebrated it. He knew yeah. it. He was yeah. like, yeah, look at me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Like, uh, man, I remember, and you know, like, I remember by the time they got to WWF and they were feuding with the Rockers, with Tully and Arn against the Rockers, Shawn Michaels took the best spine busters, and I know Arn was just, like, 
thinking like, oh, you watched those Rock and Roll Express matches, yeah. didn't you, kid? Yeah. Like, you could just tell, man. But yeah, it's just, it's a fun match. It's in a cage. And as we talked about earlier, there will be blood. Yes. Uh, so it's, but it's well done. Yes. And, uh, and this is one of the most Ricky Morton of all Ricky Morton matches, I think. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So watch it. <laughs> And so that brings us to the main event. I guess back over in Atlanta, the main event for the entire show and for Atlanta, obviously, is the world title match. It is the champion, Ric Flair, defending against Nikita Koloff. And I really thought that they had gotten a bad copy of the the tape when they put this on the network. Uh, Because when Ric Flair comes out, he does his... It's an atypical Ric Flair Starcade entrance. He's got some some fireworks going on. He's got the the classic blue robe. Comes out. And all of a sudden, like... It's almost like uh, you remember those like Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse promos, <laughs> yeah. where the video kind of starts distorting right. and it cuts. Yeah. It. Like that's exactly what it started to look like with the VHS, just like. Well, that's what happened, yeah, because they cut to this other thing, this music video, basically. <laughs> but it's it looked like if you've ever used a VHS player before, it looked like someone had recorded over the VHS, and you get that weird interference where the screen kind of jumbles and slides down. Yeah. That's what it was. Like, that's exactly what it was. And I I, I had to look this up because when Dusty came out for his match, he was wearing a Magnum TA shirt. And I was like, oh, this must be around the time that Magnum had his car crash. And it was a month after. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I finally realized... Okay, and th- this is where it's weird because I'm not, I'm definitely not trying to make light of Magnum's accident. Yeah. And in no way am I doing it yeah, yeah. as I talk about what we're about to talk about here. Sure. But this is obviously like a training buildup for sympathy for Magnum, who was obviously supposed to be the guy that wrestled Rick. And I think that's what the story was yeah. here. He was positioned to be the next world champion, and he got sure. the nod from Dusty and the whole thing. And they're showing this video of him running on the beach like he's training and stuff but then it because of the car crash now it seems like it's this weird yeah going home kind of thing it, it was weird it did feel like that especially with the way it was i couldn't tell what it was at first because it was just the sun at like <laughs> dusk and then it was a beach and then we saw the back of a woman's head looking off into the distance. Yeah. And then we saw a bird. And we saw <laughs> a, a lot. guy. We saw a lot of yeah, bird. And a slow motion bird. Yeah. But that 80s slow motion where it's just like one frame every mm-hmm. like half second. Yeah. And then we saw this guy running in the distance. And it felt like it felt like it was a tribute for someone who had died. Yeah. And it's like, he, he, he definitely could have died, but he yeah. didn't. He's, yeah. he's still with, he's still with us yeah. as of this recording. So, Eventually it just turns into like a training montage running on the beach. But it was still... And the music, I don't know, maybe the original music helped it? It must... I, I hope so, because yeah. what they chose for the network is just so bad. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, it's the ending of uh, The Condemned. Like, <laughs> like I hated the, that ending be, almost because of the music. Right. So bad. And I'm like, this is what they're going to use before they bring Nikita out to was, challenge Flair? The, yeah. the the Russians did more for Nikita's match. Right. Like, they literally promoed Nikita's match yeah. after they interviewed after the match. Yeah. And it's like, it's weird because they're supposed to be mad at him, but you know they're happy for him right. in real life. Yeah. So they're basically saying, you turned on us, and but we know you can beat Flair because you're that good. Yeah. So they did more for him in their interview than this freaking magnum video well that was so weird that was the thing because it didn't feel connected to the match at all and to put it after flair's entrance but before koloff's entrance was just odd placement i don't know why they did it it's like they were gonna do it 
with the original thought, and then they mm-hmm. just forgot to not use it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but we're going to have this match anyway. And this is literally a month into like turning Nikita Koloff from being one of the most hated people in wrestling to now we're trying to make him the most popular guy in wrestling. Yeah. But some of the execution I don't think worked here because he's still got the Russian CCCP ring jacket. Yeah. He's still got the CCP thing on his singlet. Yeah. You know, he's not smiling. <laughs> he's right. like, okay, he's a badass. But, you know, I mean, like, they, they kind of... Yeah. I don't think the execution was all the way there. Dude, we, fucking workhorse is all get out. Yeah. Great look. But everything else kind of was like, huh. He did have a smattering of booze. Yeah. A, a pretty good smattering of booze when he yeah. was announced. And him, he and Flair got basically about the same reaction. Yeah. It was a super 50-50. Yeah. And I thought for a split second we were back in Carolina, but I was yeah. like, oh no, it's the scaffolding. Yeah. Oh yeah, the scaffolding is red, white, and blue, as you mentioned. Yeah. So I'm like, he saw that, and he's just, he's still seeing red, you know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how, he's going to beat Flair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just, uh, it was weird. Because, like I said, you know, I mean, obviously Flair huge in Atlanta too, yeah. but Carolina, he's, he, no one's going to boo him there. Yeah. So that's probably the why they booked it over there. Maybe not so much a schedule, but that. Uh, But it didn't pay off too much. And like I said, at that time, I bet you people are still just seeing Russia when they see Nikita. And there's people, I mean, there could be people in that crowd that haven't been watching the television for that month. And they're just like, well, screw that guy. Yeah, I'm going to cheer for the American. (laughs) And that's why, with these big shows like this and like WrestleManias and things like that, where there are a lot of people that don't watch that see this show, you do have to do like back in the the Dusty Blanchard match and tell everything right up front. Mm -hmm. You can't leave it to the build up so much. Yeah, What they should have done, uh, I'm going to do a little armchair booking here, Mm -hmm. instead of showing that stupid video, what the Russians did in their interview that I mentioned, they should have them come in and make a scene. Like, almost like they're going to jump the rail or something. Yeah. You know, like, even though they're already there. Yeah. So, it was the same city, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. So, yeah, all they had to do is make it seem like, you know, not so much they were going to jump the rail, but have them come through the, the aisle. Yeah. And almost be like, like they're like they still got heat with Nikita. Yeah. That'd have been really good for Nikita because yeah. I'm mean, like you turn coat, you you're you're where we're Russians. You know yeah. you want to be an American. You want these people to love you. Yeah. And then you have Nikita get on the mic and say something really rah rah, mm-hmm. anti the Russians. That's how That's you do it. it. Yeah, That's how you, you would have done it for the people that didn't know shit about what was going on. Yeah. That would have helped us as a first time viewer kind of thing. Right. Like that's what you do, and you could have done it in way less time than that weird ass video. Yeah. But regardless, the match was still well done. Yeah. It's a classic Flair heavyweight championship title defense. For sure, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I don't want to say too much. It's, uh, you kind of know what to expect. And if you have your wrestling almanacs, you probably know what the finish is. Yeah. But, you know, I'd still say that's probably in the echelon of, you, you should definitely watch it. It was, yeah, I liked it. It's, like you say, classic Flair. And it was... Koloff is fun to watch because he's a big dude and he, I mean, he does a lot of swinging arms and stuff, but he's he's good at what he does and Flair is great at what he does and helps make Koloff look that much better. Yeah. I think just by being in the ring and, and doing, I loved it, like some of the things in the match where Flair would do something to Koloff and Koloff would just kind of shrug it off like some of the chops and stuff yeah. and Flair would just look at him and he'd just leave the ring. Yeah. He's gathering, <laughs> go out into the crowd. Like, yeah. Take a little walk and come back in. And this isn't a spoiler. My favorite thing in the entire match was when the second referee that came out to try to help out 
he got the Russian sickle from Nikita Koloff, mm. and it's one of the best I've ever seen. It's over the top. He oversells it. Oh, that was a Scrappy Miguel when they took that. Yeah. Miguel, we're not making this name yeah. up, kids. He took one of the best lariats I've ever seen, yeah. and I was just like, whoa! Yeah. And how dare they not show that on the replay? Yeah, right. So well done. <laughs> that guy must have been a worker in his day, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the super. It's a fun match. It's not even too long either. It's like, yeah. it's like maybe fifteen minutes or yeah, something. And it doesn't feel that long either. Flair is good about having matches of decent length that don't feel that long because yeah. you just you're engrossed with what he's doing. Yeah. So, yeah, recommended. Let's see uh, where it falls on the list, Chris. Yes. Let's uh, let's let's rank them and get out of here. All right. There were twelve matches at both cities on the show. Coming in at the bottom, at number 12. None of these matches are really bad, no, honestly. No, no. I didn't feel like any of them was a true waste yeah, of time. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching the show. It yeah. was a nearly four-hour show, so oh. it did feel a little long. Yeah, because it was. Because it was. <laughs> but, I, well, I mean, in comparison to, like, Mania and some of the, the <laughs> WWE shows, it's about average. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, now we see that time, we're like... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's coming in at the bottom. At number 12 is the first match of the night... From North Carolina, Horner and Nelson versus the Canodal Brothers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, sorry, that's all I got, Chris. <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah, fine. it's it's fine. Uh, next up, we go way up near to the top of the card. Unfortunately, it is the title match of the show, the Skywalker match. It's the scaffold match. It is the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express. Yeah, and I we we do a lot of things where we bump up. A match rating for like what we call historical significance, but I just can't bring myself to rank a scaffold match. It's just not fun to watch. Yeah, it's just it's bad, and yeah. the only reason it's not last is because of the talent. Yeah, and the post match shenanigans. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that shouldn't even count, but I'm gonna count it. <laughs> it, it does count for some yeah. matches when it's geared to that. I think yeah. coming in at number ten on the show was the Barbarian and Watley versus Roshki and Guerrero. Okay. Which was fine. It was, yeah. it was fun. Yeah. Guerrero's fun to watch. Coming in at number nine is the hair versus hair match. Paul Jones versus Jimmy Valiant. A lot of that was post-match stuff, which <laughs> yeah. kind of played into the factor. And there actually will be a haircut. I don't think that's a spoiler. Yeah, uh, sometimes yeah, you don't yeah. pay those off, yeah. but this one you do see a haircut. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. It coming in at number eight was the strap match. Wahoo McDaniel versus Rick Rude. And we're still not on the hump yet of me like... Cabinet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't really. You can skip all these, really. Yeah. I think. Mm. Coming in at number seven was the Central States Title Match: Sam Houston versus Dundee. Yeah, superstar. And coming in at number six on the show, still not on the must-watch, is the No DQ Tag Team Match. It's the Kansas Jayhawks versus Koloff and Khrushchev. Yeah, we just had two TV main events in a row right there. Yeah, so, yeah. They're yeah. they're decent, but yeah. if you're if you're strapped for time. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. Keep going to number five, which is the singles match early in the show, the grudge match, Jimmy Garvin and Brad Armstrong. I might make a case for this being the uh where we put the line. Yeah. Right, right under this. If you're maybe? looking for maybe like hour hour and a half of yeah. matches, maybe start with this one. Yeah, I'm fine with it. And maybe I'm just playing favorites because I like Jimmy a lot. But right. Yeah, I mean I, I think it's decent. <laughs> yeah. Coming in right above that at number four, uh, Ronnie Garvin versus Big Bubba. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we did have that match, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, it was the Louisville Street Fight. No, so. it's good. I, I I'm not saying it's forgettable. I just uh, yeah. I don't know why all these the last three matches we talked about. I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's quick. 
So we do need to make a, a decision on the fly right now. Okay. Uh, it, it comes down to we're at the top three at the moment. We know what the number one is. Yes, we know what number one is. So we need to make a decision. Is the Dusty Rhodes Tully Blanchard match better or worse, better than the Kolob versus Ric Flair title match? You know what? I really got to go with my gut and just thinking about it right now, even just like an hour removed from watching it. Yeah. I, I'm going to say Flair Koloff is three. If I had to really make that. a decision, I'm gonna, and, it's, and it's really good, but I'm going to have to put it at three. I, I love the first blood match better than the Flair Koloff match. So the main event, number three on the show, first blood, I agree. I think the story setup and payoff was a lot better yeah. in the first blood match. Dusty Rhodes versus Tully Blanchard for the TV title, which leaves us with number one, tag team wrestling comes out on top. On the show, tag team cage match, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew versus the Rock and Roll Express. Well done. Yeah, so I'd say cap of the top five, top four, arguably. Um, Chris, your opinion? Top five for a longer show, top three for if you're just looking for the best ones. Best, yeah, that's uh, it's definitely next level in the top three. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, no surprise here. What city would you rather have attended? North Carolina. Done. 100%. Because that was the our main event, which was the tag team cage match. Yeah. It, yeah, it was just a better. It had the first blood match. So there you go. There's two of the top three right there. All right. Done deal. Chris, I'm enjoying these retro reviews. Can't wait to do more of them here with you. And where can you find those? You can always find them on the home of the Wrestling House Show, cnjradio.com. Go to our Facebook and Twitter. Let us know what shows you want us to cover. We are trying to do these more or less in chronological order for yeah. these retro reviews. But if you have a show that you love and you want to hear us talk about it that's not in this era or it's way later, just let us know. Maybe we'll go out of order. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We'll if see. you can appeal to my brain, which yeah. is where where the, most of the chronological stuff comes from. Right. You're really going to have to appeal to me. I'm just going to leave it at me. That way Chris doesn't get bothered as much. Because he works so hard. I try. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Next Starcade will be 87, obviously. Yes. I'm not sure what the next retro review is going to be, but it'll be a surprise, and it's just another reason to stay subscribed to the Wrestling House Show. Bye.